Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the podcast daily. It's here. Spring practice starts tomorrow. Oh, what a delightful thing to say. We have real football to talk about. We actually got some ball to talk about in Indianapolis last week. Uh, that's Jeremy Birmingham and Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. It was a interesting four days in Indianapolis, a nice little appetizer to get us ready for a spring ball on Tuesday, a nice mix of some uh, Buckeyes talking about the their replacements, uh, some of them choosing to work out, uh, a lot of insight into the process, um, and then a new addition into the Combine lexicon. No longer, Bill. You missed on this one. Well, we have to just worry about who's heard from the Jets, because from now and forevermore, we will just say, have you met Burrow? <laughs> It was weird. It was super weird. You know what I think is awesome, though, for Ohio State um, is that on Thursday and Friday, there was all this conversation about what's wrong with these guys? Why aren't they running? Why aren't they doing this? And a lot of people wondering, like, oh, this looks bad for the Buckeyes. And then Saturday and Sunday, all people are talking about is CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba and how good they were. And I want to just grab people and say, did you never watch them play? They they were always this good. Uh, and so I, I think it was a very productive final two days for Ohio State, both with Stroud and Njigba, and then the performance by Paris uh, Johnson and Dewan Jones on Sunday ended up being a pretty good weekend for Ohio State after some question marks about why Zach Harrison isn't running or why Ronnie Hickman isn't or why Cam Brown isn't. And the, the stars uh, shone brightest for Ohio State on the weekend, so that was big for the Buckeyes. Yeah, we learned that uh, Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler are the two fastest Buckeyes, so shout out to those guys. Wow. Who would have guessed? Luke Whipper was uh, not a big fan of the 40. I think that was probably my favorite stint of the interview sessions was not finding out that Luke Whipper once did stand-up comedy uh, two open nights in high school, which I think we should all count ourselves lucky that this Ohio State football beat didn't know about that for the last three <laughs> years. Uh, but then he also showed some of that improv by riffing on the value of a center going out and running 40 yards in a straight line. Is he a prop comic? <laughs> I don't think he's got any carrot top in him. Although he's smashing, smashing some fruit, just carrying around. <laughs> it. Yeah. That's how he, that's how he came up with the recipe for lemon. Perfect. <laughs> but yes, he sure did. Bill, did you, did you have any, you know, regrets that you missed out on the combine experience? No, my biggest regret is that I sat here and watched most of it on my television when I probably didn't have to. Um, no, I <laughs> no, don't. You I didn't don't have, have to. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know why I did that. Uh, obviously, I wanted to watch CJ throw. I wanted to see how Jackson looked, and and all that was was awesome. They had really good days. Um, aside from that, it seemed uh, relatively uninteresting. Although I thought some of the stuff you guys got from the OSU guys about this current team were interesting, uh, but the combine itself uh, seems to mean less and less every year i mean that was something we talked about a little bit on on uh snap judgments on on friday was is this process now becoming sort of irrelevant and is the combine only really worthwhile for nfl teams to get medical information and to do interviews and that the on-field stuff is sort of pointless yes <laughs> that does seem <laughs> all to be right the case. we'll talk to you guys later <laughs> well especially because they have other opportunities, and you go to the pro day. You could also be brought in on visits. Now you're not going to go. I think run a straight line forty if 
if you know the Rams want Cam Brown to go a visit, like I don't think that's when you do those kinds of workouts. But also, as Luke Whipler delightfully pointed out, some of these drills are irrelevant for offensive linemen, or they don't have carryover from position to position, and like it's just not it's real football. And every single one of their games now is also on television, so it's not like when the combine started and scouts like, well, I'd like to see what these guys can do physically. We've never we've never heard of them before. Every single player there already had multiple years, multiple games of uh, filmed available at the drop of a hat for all these people. Uh, the scouts are, believe it or not, they don't have to travel by train, so they can fly in and <laughs> meet with these teams and watch them play games in person if they need to. So it does seem to be a little outdated, and it doesn't even really work as a made-for-television event if not everybody is participating in it. I get the the desire to quantify athleticism, and I do think that that is valuable. I think I would feel much differently about the combine if they didn't stretch it over an entire week. Like they can do everything they did in Lucas Oil Stadium in like a day, a day and a half, and then just like get everybody out of there. I don't care if it's on TV. I don't need to see guys run on television. But I understand like NFL teams wanting to get that information, but they drag it out so much because they're trying to make it a TV show that by the end of the week it just feels tedious and unnecessary. Yeah, I mean the entire like NFL media sphere was packing up and leaving on Saturday morning, and I, we were in the in the interview. Room room and i'm like why is everyone breaking stuff down i'm like there's another day and a half of this and if if the people who are being paid by the nfl to promote this stuff are like all right screw it we're out of here i'm like why are we still here this is way too long <laughs> like it, it yep i get it if you want to have times you know if you have all of the positions do stuff in a tw- 10 hour window on one day right and then you have two days of interviews and meetings then that's fine like you don't need to have these testing sessions and asking guys if they'd rather fight 100 um, duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. I mean, it's just stupid stuff. Like, I'm like, what are we doing? Why are you asking guys this stuff? Whatever. Well, how would you answer that, bro? I would definitely rather fight 100 horse-sized ducks than um, one duck-sized horse. Because I, I, so. I, I, I think I think I think I'd be able to kick them, you know, like all they'd be able to do is kick me in the shins. So I, I could probably like because I mean, I'd be able to you kick just them. flipped it. You just said it the wrong. Way. Whatever. You just you know what the question was. Uh, you not, don't get to change the rules. I'm not I'm not I'm not part of the NFL's testing committee. What I am a part of is the common sense committee. And if I had to choose between one horse sized duck or 100 duck sized horses. I would prefer to fight 100 duck-sized horses because I could kick them and all they could do was kick me in the shin at the very worst. You know what I mean? So I could Mm -hmm. wipe out large swaths of them at one time uh, with just a couple, um, you know, roundhouse kicks to the face. I wonder if PETA is aware that the NFL is advocating for violence against animals. They play with a dead pig. Oh my gosh! Wow, I don't believe that's actually that, made from a dead pig. Anymore. I don't think it's actually made from a dead pig. <laughs> no, but well, be a lot, be a lot cooler if it was. Um, think about how much better the game would be if that's how you determined who got the ball first. Like just tossing a who made it, around. Yeah. who who was able to get out there, find the pigskin, create it, bladder up. Um, this is going off the rails. So let's talk about Ohio State football, right? Because that's what that's mm-hmm. what this week's actually about. Right? Right? Yeah, right. Uh, sorry. 
Where are we? America, <laughs> I'm trying to bring the dab back, and uh, I need your help. So just be prepared. You're going to see a lot of this with Berm on this I, show coming up. Are we? How much are we actually going to see of it? All of it. We've already seen it two more times than I thought we would. So. <laughs> I'm trying to get America um, to dive in. Well, because they don't want, you know, they want to bring back the good old days when Ohio State was winning Big Ten championships and people were dabbing all over the place. And you can't tell me. Now, I, I, I want both of your opinions. Have you noticed that mm-hmm. since the dab went away, Ohio State has not won a national championship or a Big Ten championship? When was the dab actually Causation prevalent. or correlation? I, I don't want to say popular because I don't think that it was ever that. I mean, like when three was years it prevalent? ago. Like 2019? Three years ago. 2019? No yes, it was. Absolutely. I wouldn't they were, the dab. They were dabbing in 2019, and I think it was longer ago than that. I'm asking you, has Ohio State won a Big Ten championship since people stopped dabbing? Or mm. a Big Ten championship? Since- since 2015, dabbing has been used as a gesture of triumph or playfulness, becoming a youthful fad and internet meme. Yeah, and it 2015. That's when it that's started. Not, that's mm-hmm. when it started, not when it ended. People stopped doing it in 2018, 2019. The last time you Ohio- think that the dab era lasted four years, it, there's no chance of that. I think you're underestimating the social impact of the dab. <laughs> Am I, Bill? I think I haven't properly evaluated here. I, I think uh, I think the, the correlation between Ohio State's success on the field and, and the dab is uh, nothing, hmm. non-existent, <laughs> shoddy at best. So, uh, spring practice starts Tuesday, right? We've yeah, talked. Uh-huh. We've talked about all the positions yep. over the last month. What you know, we get thirty minutes in there on Tuesday morning, um, which we'll talk about obviously more on Tuesdays daily. But what is the one position group that you guys don't say quarterback? Not quarterback. What is the one spot where you're like, I want to watch this dude and see what he looks like? Hmm. Why are we not allowed to say quarterback? Because I, because I yeah, know that's yeah. what you'd say. <laughs> well, I mean, we we've, we haven't seen Devin Brown like throw a football, <laughs> so I'd like I'd like to see that. Well, we did because we were at the Peach Bowl and he threw a beautiful seventy yard bomb to. Keon Gray's. Yeah, but no one did anyone get video of it? Well, we, we weren't allowed to video. Yeah, we were allowed to. Oh, uh, no, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, obviously, we everyone's going to say quarterback because that's the lowest common denominator here. So I'm trying to pull something out of you guys. Yeah, that's other than that position. Okay, I, I will say yeah. the wide receivers. No. Sorry, Bill. No, Without no. as we've talked about. Marvin Harrison Jr. does not need to do anything in the spring. Uh, Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming will not. And we've talked a lot, certainly about in the position previews, you know, what was holding back, what kept those uh, freshman wide receivers from a year ago from taking that next step. And again, it was various things for all of them, but they still have now uh, a winter mat drills, uh, conditioning, all that stuff under their belts. This is going to be a massive spring for them. And we just, we didn't get to see them do a lot. They weren't on the field, so we couldn't certainly evaluate uh, game reps. We don't get to see any practice once you get done with training camp. So they were largely a mystery. And so beyond, you know, I guess it'll also be significant who's throwing them the football, uh, but I'm not allowed to say that. But just how that class of wide receivers looks, because they're going to get a ton of reps. Um, and Ohio State needs to throw the ball a lot in spring to help evaluate those quarterbacks. So 
that group I think is going to be really fascinating. Um, the offense as a whole will have my attention because of the new pieces that are going to be out there. Who's who's playing where on the offensive line? Uh, but I think getting a feel for that next wave of wide receivers will be something that I look at right away on Tuesday morning. I'm, I'm doing these things for OhioStateRivals.com with a, a thought or two on every scholarship player, and I was finishing up the offense on Sunday, and it it struck me like how weird it is that they have 12 scholarship receivers, and we know like next to nothing about eight of them, yeah. <laughs> almost almost all of them, outside right. of the returning starter. Like it's not, it's very odd to me that those second year guys didn't play at all, and even Jaden Ballard has not played uh, all, all that much for a guy who's going into his third year in the program. So they are very much a mystery. I'm interested in them as well. Um, offensive line, obviously, for me is is the one spot. I am still um, on alert, I guess, to like show up to spring practice and Matthew Jones is playing center because the more I look at that group, the more I'm like, this is not all that good because they don't have a guy who can play center, and I don't know if they have a guy who the other guy who can play tackle outside of Josh Fryer. Um, so I think that that group is uh, much more of a question mark than Ryan day sort of let on the last time we talked to him when he was just sort of like, Oh, we're good. We'll figure it out. It's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think you can. Um, but I, but I am approaching that position group with a healthy amount of skepticism outside of the Donovan Jackson's and Matthew Jones and, and probably Josh. Robert. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is that uh, in talking to Luke Whipler in Indianapolis, he mentioned that he thought Jacob James would be the guy at center when he's back and healthy, but Missing the entire spring when you've never been the starter before does not exactly, you know, endear a, a lot of confidence in that sort of um, assumption. And I, I'm really interested to see what Vic Cutler looks like because coming from a, a strength program at ULM where he's going to be completely different, uh, you know, by the time he takes the field for Ohio State in September than he is now. I want to see where he's got to get to and where his body is because he has never worked out in a real college program. Um, and on the other side of that, I want to see Jihad Carter and Davis and Igbenosin and how those guys look because the corner room and the safety room is getting uh, put into a position where there's going to need to be someone new stepping up. And uh, I think that if you just look at them, we're not going to see a lot on Tuesday because we're going to have, you know, they're going to be stretching and then they're going to do a couple drills where we're going to watch. Them. So it's not like we're going to see them in, you know, 11 on 11 situations or anything like that. But I just want to see how those guys look coming from programs that maybe didn't have the same emphasis as Ohio State did. Old Miss, obviously, being a, a SEC program for Igbenosin, you figure he's going to be a little bit more physically ready um, than Carter coming from Syracuse and, and Cutler from, um, you know, down uh, with the raging Cajuns of Louisiana or Lafayette. I don't remember even which one he came from because they, the they don't even. So it was ULM. Okay. <laughs> he, he went to ULM. I mean, yeah. it's all the same. It's all, somewhere in Lafayette. Um, you know, and I, I think that that is, <laughs> I think it's, I think Louisiana Monroe don't is in Monroe. think that's how that works. <laughs> the, the M does not stand for Lafayette. Monroe and Lafayette are right next to each other <laughs> in the state of Louisiana. Everyone knows that. I can neither confirm or deny um, that. I don't, exactly. I don't know no one knows, man. We're just making it up. Um, no, but, uh, I think that that's the important thing really that I'm looking at because that offensive line is going to be a major like question mark from now until April 15th and well beyond. Austin dabbed and I blacked out. (laughs) We're bringing it back. (laughs) That was the only way I could get through that geography lesson was that it was actually, I was hitting myself in the head because I was 
puzzled mm. by how <laughs> Lafayette became Monroe. I think is the exact same place. I think that's a perfect, you know, example of the fact that you haven't dabbed in a while and you forgot how <laughs> to do it. Um, I don't think I ever did it. No, how much? How, hey, do you go ahead, Bill? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> how big of a deal is it that? At the, at the moment, and this number could change when we talk to Ryan Day on Tuesday, but what we do know is going into Tuesday practice, they have 29 available defensive scholarship players. Berman and I had the exact same reaction on Friday morning when you posted uh, your 32 observations. Like, I thought you were just being what? lazy. I, I saw 32. <laughs> I saw 32, and I was like, damn, Bill's just leaving eight guys out. But nope, uh, that's real. Uh, that's bad. I, and I'm actually bringing cleats to Columbus on Tuesday just in case <laughs> we have to do something because that's that's very, very low. And I don't know how it really got there because it doesn't seem like there was this mass attrition uh, at any one point. So it's like it's just been slowly dwindling over the last couple of seasons. And, um, you know, you're missing um, some key guys. And uh, obviously, you're not going to see Eichenberg and those guys playing out there. So it's like, who who's going to be where? So. It's a big, it's a big spring for guys. I mean, especially the linebacker position, I think. Um, and of course, as we talked about defensive end, Caden Curry is going to have to prove that he needs to be a, a every down guy. Um, and, and I'm really interested, even though he's not going to be practicing again, this spring is Mitchell Melton. Like, how does he fit into this? And I don't know how you can find that out this spring if he's not doing stuff. Yeah. He's the, would, he's the biggest one of all the guys who are not going to be out. Like it's, a, I think the three defensive players who are unavailable are Tommy and court Williams, and then Mitchell Melton. And uh, Mitchell Melton is the one that's like a little unfortunate because I think, as we talked about before, like they very much want him to be the Jack. And then I think that sort of dismisses all the questions we have about like Jack Sawyer and Caden Curry and CJ Hicks and all those guys, but we can't get that answer in the spring. So it's like, well, we'll watch them do stuff. And then in the back of your head, you think, well, what does it really mean? Because uh, presumably Mitchell Melton will be back at some point. I think it's pretty problematic. And I guess. It didn't even really register as we were going through the position previews. We did talk about the lack of depth on the defensive line and what that may mean. But other spots were like, well, there's four, five, six corners that they can work in. There's a log jam at safety. You don't even have to think about linebacker, really, because by the fall, you know that Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg are going to be taking all those reps. So it doesn't even like that number didn't sink in until you wrote about it on Friday. And I just I. I think about it now in the context of what they can actually accomplish in the spring, because that's basically just a, a two deep, a two and a half deep. So it's, it's not, it's not even that it's not even yeah. that because it's 29 players and nine of them are safeties. So. Yeah, so, exactly. Right. So <laughs> it, you know, a, a one and a half to a two and a half and, depth and chart. five are corners two. or six are corners. Six. So 15 six. of the yeah. 29 available players. So 14 of the 29 available players are safeties and corners. And uh -huh. so one and so one thing that you know we had talked about after the last meeting with Ryan Day was that they wanted to do a lot more you know game simulations and scrimmaging because they're trying to evaluate the quarterbacks and take the next step. Well you you really can't do that mm -hmm. if you have 29 healthy defensive players. There's a limit to how physically you can actually go out and be over those 15 workouts because you're then one or two injuries away from having nobody to be to play a defensive end. You can, you like, can simulate that, the hell out of playing against the dime package, though. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, I guess if you're looking for a, a silver lining, but the, the bigger concern I have is that if you have guys in the linebacker room, for example, that 
that you're like, man, there's a very good chance that one or two guys leaves after spring because there, there is no real path to playing time. That number is going to shrink even more as you head into the summer. So that that's uh, shocking. They are awaiting the arrival of a couple of incoming freshmen, but they're not like they're not waiting for ten. Yeah. I think they're waiting for like four. If I remember off the top of my head, it's not it's not a very large number. There is a because I the the offensive side of this is going to run on Monday. There are forty three offensive players and two more coming in the summer. There is a serious serious imbalance on this yeah. roster between offensive and defensive players. When we already knew that that was the case in terms of like productivity right i mean the offense has been much better for the last couple of years and uh the recruiting rankings have reflected an emphasis on the offensive side and but just in, even if they weren't getting five stars or high or high four stars consistently on defense you sh- still should have been signing somebody yeah and you look at that that donut that they got on the defensive line in this last class and you're like well there you go that's how you wind up with 29 guys playing in the spring like that that should Ryan Day should be seeing that out of everything else and being like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. What has caused that and what can be done to correct? Well, it? what's interesting is that they actually, they signed three defensive, four defensive linemen in the class, three defensive tackles and one edge rusher. And only one of them enrolled early. You have 55% of the class enrolls early, but only one of those guys do. And that's Will Smith. Who's, you know, from, sorry, I did mean defensive. Right, ends. So Will Smith, who's from just five minutes down the road. So, the the value that you could have by having Caden McDonald and Jason Mora on campus right now would be huge for both of them, but they couldn't, those guys couldn't enroll early. So it's just this very weird sort of uh, black hole at, at the moment of like, Oh, how did this come to this point? And uh, I don't know how you get through the spring with that, with that many guys on defense, to be honest, it's almost like you're in, de- in December and you're getting ready to go play in a bowl game. That doesn't matter. And everyone transferred out of your program. Like there's te- there are teams <laughs> playing in bowl games with more players than that. So I don't, I don't know how that uh, gets there. <laughs> which uh, wh- when we go out to practice on Tuesday, which non-defensive players are going to surprise us by wearing a defensive Jersey. Kate Stover, <laughs> yes, Kate Chip yeah. Trainum. I feel terrible for Kate Stover, Xavier Johnson, and Chip Trainum. Like those, <laughs> those poor guys. Just keep <laughs> Jake Seibert. Yeah, he's back unbelievable. On defense now. <laughs> Jake Seibert's gonna have to play defensive end. <laughs> I mean, you could put like Sam Hart or, or or someone out there, Bennett Christian. Who knows? I mean, it it is. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to our next daily where we talk about whether or not Jake Seibert can play the Jack. <laughs> He does not fit the profile. He's it's funny. called the Jake. Okay. <laughs> My God, this is a reg- this oh, is a regular man. comedy hour today. I love it. <laughs> We've really oh, we got a second dab on the board. This is bringing it back. You already f expanded yeah. the gospel of the dab is, to me. So much better than I anticipated. So much better. <laughs> it's a lot safer too when I'm doing it here and not next to you when you're driving in the car and you're hitting me in the face with the extended arm that never i mean had me a little i i didn't really want to bring it back at that point i was kind of annoyed it was it. dry out it wouldn't there was no wind it was fine um you know the other position i'm really <laughs> interested in heading into tuesday and and thir- thursday and as we get you know, i don't know how to say it's on spring break so it's a little primer and then you know a break but is running back like that's going to be very interesting to me to see how they manage this because i don't know how many how much you really want to work Mayan Williams this spring, but really, if you don't, then you only have Dallin Hayden 
and Chip Trainum available because everyone else is injured uh, still with Evan Pryor not being ready to go, with Travion Henderson not being ready to go, with uh, T.C. Caffey not being ready to go. Uh, it, that's a really interesting spot for Tony Alford to be in because you're going to have to decide, like, with Mayan, you don't want to push him because you don't, don't need to, but what what do you do there? And is this spring turn into really just seven-on-seven seven for Ohio State? That's what, that's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. You look at the numbers uh, out there on defense, and this is probably just going to be a lot more seven-on-seven situations. I don't, I don't think you can go do a bunch of inside drill and nine-on-seven and run the football because, like, that's going to wear. That's going to stretch those two. The running back unit and the defensive line are both already thin. Like, what are you going to go do? Like, bang some helmets? Like, I don't, I don't think they can do that. I don't. It's kind of weird that we went through this whole month and a half and talking about getting ready for spring ball and position previews and it didn't dawn on us until now that like maybe they won't actually be able to practice football the way they're talking see we've been bitching and moaning for months about wanting seven on seven in ohio (laughs) and now we got it (laughs) worked out perfect you're welcome bobby carpenter (laughs) seems really good uh for a team that like struggled to tackle on the perimeter and couldn't run the ball on third and one to just have a spring where they don't do any of that because they don't have enough guys to practice it well, I hope everybody enjoyed this super uplifting <laughs> episode of the podcast daily. I'm, I Get think ready it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. I can't wait. I mean, it is that. I I'm I have a different line of questioning now for Ryan Day that I didn't anticipate <laughs> for Tuesday. Um I think that's good. That that part is uh an interesting dynamic because what are we they talked about all of last year is trying to be tougher and winning the line of scrimmage. And like, as Bill said, if you don't get to actually do that as much as you want in the spring, or or if you feel like you still have to, like, what is that list of wounded players going to look like by the end of camp? Like it's unavoidable. It's a game of football. It's physical. If that's the choice that you make, which is again, what they did in September of last year, like to continuing to practice really hard on Tuesday and Wednesday to bring something out of them. Well, that was why they had a lot of guys who wound up on the unavailability report on Saturday. Like That's the cost of doing business that way. It's going to be fun. Maybe the spring game that we played in like those bubble suits the guys wear at halftime of the games when like Brutus mm, runs the ball over. Knocker ball? What are those knocker called? ball or something? Knocker That'd ball. Be, yeah, knocker ball. The spring game is going to be knocker ball. I would love to see Devin Brown and Kyle McCord try to throw wearing those things, though. <laughs> that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be worth it. That, that would be just like the old Bud Bowls or in Super Bowl. The bottles throwing the football off it. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, folks, we are not going to be at Roosters on Nolan Tangy River Road on Monday. We're going to hold that until Tuesday so we can actually talk about Ohio State spring football kickoff. So if you're planning on being there on Monday, don't be. Be there Tuesday afternoon. What time do we say? Two? Is that what time we're talking about? Uh, un- not sure that we nailed down a time yet because we will be uh, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center all Monday morning. Uh, first practice of spring, then uh, interview session with Ryan Day, and then Jim Knowles as well. Do I have that yep. right? Mm-hmm. Handful of players um, and Heartline to right? kick it off. So was it Heartline? And yeah. So a, a massive amount of coverage coming on Tuesday uh, and then Thursday as well. Can't wait for that uh, as we get rolling. Uh, again, here on the podcast and at ohiostate.rivals.com uh, with the official start of spring ball. For Berm and Bill, I am Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you tomorrow.